Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sato, joined, as always, by the, mon- the monkey knight, dude. <laughs> I can't even get through it. All right, we're just going to keep it. By the Nathan uh, stuck to- on the concept, to my literally anything else in the world happening. <laughs> no, I just thought it was, it's just, it's just, it was funny to me. I was like laughing. I really could tell. Hard. All right. Uh, all right. So it's, it's for the, for the, uh, let's just go back to like a normal intro uh, to, for the Vegeta to my Goku. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I'm feeling over 9,000. Yeah. And our very own Piccolo. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how are you doing? If there's one thing I know, it's college football. If there's two things I know, it's college football and Dragon Ball Z. Hey, uh, so w- w- is it anything cooler than me accidentally leaving the baby monitor on too, so you can hear my, <laughs> hear my kid in the background of this podcast? Uh, all right, there's big news this week. Uh, Ken Norton Jr. fired. Eric, well, no, I know last don't, week. Don't start I know, with me. I'm. I'm I got to start with you because I, I need to. I, I need. I need this. Okay. I want to pretend week, that I really feel bad for him. Last week the news came out. Uh, it was like Sorry. it was like no. It was like no changes. Nothing's gonna happen. Yeah. Then, what what did you think at that point? I, I just kind of did like the uh, the gif of the guy throwing papers at his desk, just like, <laughs> ah, ah, of course, because, you know, on the on this podcast that we do every single week, we have we have thoughts and opinions. And so it's not just a thought and opinion I have that's passing. I mark it down and I keep track of it forever. And so when I'm like, hey, Pete Carroll's got to go. Hey, I, we got to figure something out. Like no changes, throwing papers, throwing papers. Yeah, it was, it was tough because I think like. A lot of us assumed like no changes meant no changes, no changes, right? Like 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 it meant like no changes. But he did this last year as well. Like kind of bait and switched us with the Schottenheimer thing. Because like Schottenheimer, they said like, oh, we're not making any major changes. And then like one day later, they fired uh, Schottenheimer. And so I think they, ba- they, they baited you, Eric. <laughs> wait, wait. Is no major changes the equivalent of we've got a coach thing? Yeah, it, I think Whoa. it is. I think it's the. I think it's the. We got a knee thing. We got. He's got a knee thing of of coaching. Classic sure. Pete downplay. Wow. Yeah, I think it's because number one, one of Pete Carroll's big rules, right? Protect the team. Can we get a strength and, and conditioning thing? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I mean, can nothing uh, major so, happen at the strength and conditioning uh, department? The pro- problem is, uh, yeah, it's. I don't know about that one, but okay. So, so we get that. We, nothing, no, no major changes. Then one day later, we're firing our secondary coach. We're firing our defensive coordinator. Eric, what did you? How, how did your emotions change at that point? Okay, you're this... you're, fr- you're frustrated because it felt like we were just running it back with no changes, and then yeah, and some, then, some some news comes in. Then the news comes down, and I was like, oh my gosh, finally, that's so awesome. And I kind of think like, oh, so. When we start the podcast to ask Nathan if he's playing the celebration theme, you know, cool in the gang because of this. And then for some reason, I go on Facebook and I see all these comments about the Seahawks have announced it officially. And so people are like, finally, I'm like, this guy sucks. He's the worst. And I'm like, a guy just lost his job. Maybe you shouldn't celebrate too much. And it's because I got nothing against the guy personally. And I just I just don't like his defensive schemes over the past what seems forever. Ken Norton Jr. is an A plus person. Let's start with that. Uh, just a great dude, and his the, some of the stories he tells about like his dad and stuff. I think are really uh, have endeared him to me personally. Uh, but 
two seasons in a row, we have come out and looked awful. League 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 worst defense. Yeah. Historically uh, and, bad in some cases. Yeah, and and you just can't, you and it, it seems like to me that at those at the midpoint of each of the last two years, Pete Carroll has taken some of the responsibility back. We heard about accountability meetings and stuff like that, and uh, kind of taken the reins over the install in a more hands-on way than maybe he did when our defense coordinator was Gus Bradley or uh, Chris Richard, or even or uh, or Dan Quinn. You know, like he he had to take kind of take over the defense a little bit to get us back on track. And I think two years of that is is too much. You know, you can't afford to, you can't play the waiting game when you're 70 years old and you're an NFL head coach. So, yeah, yeah, we so <clears throat> Kevin, I know I know you're excited. So you probably instantly started looking at candidates, right? I mean, you know, we all have our own habits. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, yeah, I'm sure you dug started digging into D, DC candidates. And I want to start with the obvious one. And then I'll let you you tell me some of the ones that are less obvious. And I know a lot of people are probably thinking like, oh, when Nathan says the obvious one, he's talking about Vic Fangio. But I'm not. I'm talking about Clint Hurt. So oh, you're talking about an obvious one that might happen. Oh, good. Yeah. So so I'm talking about Clint <laughs> Hurt because this is the this is the obvious internal hire. The Seahawks have been kind of uh, they've been kind of working him into bigger and bigger roles on on the team. Uh, so Clint Hurt was hired by the Seahawks in 2017. He's the assistant head coach now and defensive line coach. Before uh, he was here, he was the outside linebackers coach uh, and def- uh, for the Bears. He's a, he's a pass rush specialist. Uh, he, we, we've seen him develop multiple defensive linemen along this line. Jaron Reed, uh, Frank Clark. <clears throat> uh, we've, we've seen uh, guys play good under him. Rasheem Green. Now we've got... Uh, We've got Daryl Taylor. Taylor. Like he's he's he has a fullback he slash has defensive the, tackle Puna Ford. <laughs> uh fullback slash defensive tackle slash slot cornerback Puna Ford. <laughs> um, so, so 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 we've got these we've got these uh these the big these, these guys and I mean <laughs> the thing about about Hurt uh is, is that I think it's a it's if we go internal and it is the kind of the the obvious choice, right? I don't think it's a bad hire because it it does mesh well with uh, with Pete, right? It's a def- If you ask me what I want most from our hire, I want a defensive line guy, right? I want a D line guy to come in and kind of make sure our pass rush stays good, even if we can't get an another A plus level pass rusher in from free agency. And I think Clint Hurt can do that. We were able to manufacture quite a few sacks this year, even without um, what I would say is a. a an A plus pass rusher. Now you could argue Dunlap towards the end of the season was an A plus pass rusher, but um, yeah, I, I think that Clint Hurt is a really, really solid uh, choice. And I mean, I don't know. I just think he, he'll keep the keep the pass rusher flow. We were we were in the middle of the pack for sacks this year, and I don't think that our talent level had any right to be. And if we can add like a blue chip. Uh, pass rusher we could we could definitely float towards the top of the league and be right there with the, the rams the bears the 49ers that kind of thing so yeah i like clint hurt all right kevin what do you think about clint hurt uh i think clint hurt's a really interesting pick uh for a number of reasons you named a lot of them just he seems like a guy who's really good at uh developing pass rushers um he's done some really good work over his entire career even dating back to college and we know pete kind of likes his assistant coaches to be teachers And if you're a college position coach, you're by definition somebody who teaches um, like the fundamentals of the game. The other thing that I like about him, he's young. He's only 43. uh, And he is a guy who clearly has 
excellent rapport with his players. Like if you talk to dudes on the roster, if you listen to stories they have about Clint Hurt, um, he's clearly somebody who's popular with the players, somebody that they like, they connect to, which was the big strength that Ken Norton Jr. had. So by promoting from within with a guy like Clint Hurt, it makes it so you're less likely to have maybe some of the backlash that you would from losing a popular coach like Ken Norton Jr. Even if he's not super popular with Seahawks Twitter, he's really popular with players on the roster. The linebackers love that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think, yeah, Clint just makes sense for a lot of reasons to me. It's it's the kind of hire that I think Pete likes to make. I think he liked he likes to promote from within. It's uh, it kind of shows the same kind of ethos he has with the players. You know, you compete, you do a really good job. We move you up the ladder. You become a set. Clint Hurts, the assistant head coach now, right? Like yeah. You become. That's you, how you we got him away from Chicago better. was by giving him that extra title. Well, and also another thing too is is that's how we're keeping him away from he he got he got recruited pretty hard to be the DC he's getting recruited pretty hard to be the DC for the University of Miami, yep. and so I I do think we are competing for him in in general like he is he is a commodity that's out there that people want to uh to get under their under their well you know what they say if people wing. don't want to hire your coaches your coaches probably aren't that good true yeah. that so. <laughs> true that. so okay so we got clint hurt he's he is the obvious one okay the other name that has hold come on up a yo, lot. yo i got clint hurt. oh I got oh clint you have clint hurt takes i got i gotta take some all the coaches that i good that let's I, hear that I anyway i think this is a guy is the favorite to get the job i don't know if i want it can oh. clint hurt can clint hurt scheme or is he just a guy that is popular with the players and that pete likes to bring up a guy is he just pete another likes, ken norton jr yeah that guy that Pete likes to bring up. Pete had Ken Norton Jr. Are we still going to be running the same difference under a different guy's name? Granted, Hurt with two T's, pretty awesome name. But can he scheme? <laughs> or is it going to be seriously? Well, it's good. Is it going to be more? Of I the will. Same? I will say this. Uh, in terms of him scheming, he, a, one thing I've seen pretty consistently across media when I looked it up, he gets a lot of credit for the way our interior of the defensive line plays and the way of our interior defensive line stops the run, especially like last year, we allowed 3.8 yards per rush was second best in the NFL. Uh, and I, I don't know our interior offensive line. Like I like them, Puna Ford, Al Woods, Brian Monet, but those aren't like household names that, that people are like mm-hmm. knocking down the door, mm-hmm. trying to get in. And I Al think Woods you got in the league for like 10 years and he got a career year out of the and, guy. And, and Brian Monet, like that's a guy that he developed a uh, Puna Ford. I mean, we got to give him some credit for that too. He developed Puna Ford. Like these are, these are guys that he developed and a guy, Al Woods, who, you know, is a little bit of a of journeyman and we, we were really good against the run. And I thought really good in the interior in general this year, like everything except for, I wish we would have created a little more pressure up the middle, but against the run, they were incredible. So yeah, I, I think that he can scheme a little and on, on some level, if we hire Clint hurt, it is an admission by Pete Carroll that he is going to probably be more hands-on with the defense, right? It's an admission that like, okay, yeah, Clint's my guy, Clint's my DC. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be in there mixing it up a little bit more. I want to finish this my way or whatever Pete Carroll would say, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, Eric, did oh. you have any more thoughts, real quick? No, no, I'm good on I'm good on. Okay, okay. So, so the other the other huge name that gets wait, I got right. two. Only I wrote down two, and or I wrote down more than two, but I have two that are like these are the names that have been like officially floated. Ed Donatel. Okay, Ed Donatel was the DC <gasps> under Vic Fangio in in uh, in Denver. He's like a million years old. No, he's sixty-four. Uh, but he's, he's known Pete Carroll. He's known Pete Carroll for a super long time uh, because he was he his first time coaching under Pete Carroll. You got did you, did you guys do you guys know this? Do you know Derek? Because I got it. Was it? No, I just take a guess. I'm happy. He to was guess. the defensive backs coach for the Jets no, under no. Pete Carroll's DC ah. and head coach stewardship. 
I got an older one. Ooh. He was the defensive backs coach at the University of Pacific when Pete Carroll was the defensive coordinator. Nice. In 1983. Hey, I went to middle school Pacific. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in 1983, Eric, I was not born. This is crazy. These guys know each other, man. This is 1983. This is uh, this is uh, now a Donatelle's young son. Schwamm meets Donatelle. <laughs> <laughs> Donatelle's son. <laughs> Donatelle's son Tom had a job as defensive quality control coach with the Seahawks from 17 to 20. Uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of connections here. Uh, UW fans might remember Donatel because he was the DC of the Owen 12 team in 2008, coached nope, by Tyrone. Nobody Tyron remembers Lillingham. that team. Oh, no. <laughs> now I really I want to. I believe you want to say Washington State fans might remember Ed Donatel as. <laughs> <laughs> I had to but, bring it up. But man. how was the defense Donat- that year? <laughs> Donatel. Okay, so here's the thing. Donatel's been. Donatel's been. Inch- how was the. How was yeah, the do we, did we lose every game 3 nothing? Because I'm in. Don- Donatel, Donatel has been in charge of some very good defenses and Donatel has been in charge of some very bad defenses. And I do not think there's like a really strong relationship between this guy and whether a defense is good. I mean, he was the secondary coach for back-to-back Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos. Like this guy can coach. He's definitely can coach. I don't know. Like if once again, if we hire this guy at Donatel, I think it's a pretty strong sign that Pete Carroll is going to be really hands-on with the defense this year because everywhere this guy goes when he's most successful, he's underneath someone who also is a defensive coach. In, in the mix, a defensive coach. When he's under Fangio in Denver, you know, Fangio is going to be in there mixing it up with the defense, right? He's going to, he's a defensive coach. He's going to be in there. I think Donatel does his best work when he's paired with someone who really cares about and fosters the defense. And in this case, it would be Pete. I think it would work. I'm not like a huge fan of it because it's not exciting, but it is very realistic. And uh, thing. all right, Eric, since you said you got something for every guy. This yeah. guy's been out there, so I know you got some Donna takes. Ooh, so good, <laughs> Nathan. Uh, Donatel, I think, is probably not in the... Uh, people are linking him, but I don't think he has a chance. He is Old Man River on the coaching selections, along with another one we'll get to. I guess my question I was going to ask about Donatel, because I didn't watch any of this team's games. Hey, Kevin, how was the Broncos' defense this last year? Uh, pretty good, actually, considering that they traded away their best pass rusher. Yes. Okay. So with that, they're, do I hear secondary too? Like they have uh-huh. the best young secondary in the league. And I don't know if you know this, but this guy is a secondary focus coach. Yes. Their secondary was incredible this year. And they have young players that they're developing in that secondary as well. And we uh, always they... talk about being able to manufacture pass rush, but with the other names we'll bring up, I think I want a secondary guy, a guy who can scheme everything, not just, you know base packages on the on the defensive line which i know it's a lot more than that but like like i know they spent i know they spent a high draft pick on patrick certain but like he was really really good and like right away like instantly turn turning into uh seems like he has he has flashes of elite corner already and he's already good so yeah i'm i'm a fan of that all right kevin what's your what's your uh i'm not gonna say the joke again all right go go ahead what do you think about All right, I have a uh, a little bit of a conspiracy hat thing. Uh, Donatel's a guy who I think makes sense for a very specific role. Um, longtime defensive backs coach. Just to put some numbers behind what you were saying, uh, he was the Packers defensive coordinator from 2000 to 2003. In DVOA, his defenses finished 16th, 8th, 5th, and 8th. He was the Falcons defensive coordinator from 04 to 06. His defenses ranked 13th, 26th, 13th. 
and he was the Broncos defensive coordinator from 2019 to 2021. And those defensive finished 13th, 13th, and 20th. Those are all in DVOA. Uh, so all in all, a pretty positive record. A lot of experience being a defensive play caller. I think Ed Donatel would make a ton of sense to bring in as the defensive back coach and co-defensive coordinator with Clint Hurt so that he could help kind of show him the ropes on defensive play calling and could be a support for a younger uh, defensive coordinator who doesn't have that play calling experience. Because not only does Ed Donatel have experience with Pete, but his career also overlaps in Chicago with Clint Hurt when they were both working under Fangio's defense. Hmm. Do you think he has a chance, Kevin? Like we didn't assign odds to this list, but okay. All right, yeah, we can do that. Let's go back to Clint. Oh, Hurt. I Clint know. Hurt. Oh, uh, Clint Hurt. So just get you have a hundred percent. What percent chance you think? Uh, Clint Hurt, Kevin, Kevin, then Eric, then me. Can we think? Um. So defensive coordinator or co-defensive coordinator? Yeah. No. No. I. Th- I think he'll be. I think we're only gonna have one DC, but. Uh. But, if it's only if it's solo defensive coordinator, I'll give it thirty percent. That's that's exactly the number I had in mind. Eric, did you go did you go higher or lower than thirty for hurt? Yeah, I think it's a 50-50 shot. Is All right, how about for our, how about how about for our boy Don? Don <laughs> almost said Donna takes again. Okay, Kevin, what do you think? <laughs> um, Donatel, I'm gonna go. I uh, I think thirty percent. I think it's a pretty even spread between the two. I think they're the most likely candidates. 30% as well. Uh, I'm going to bump Hurt up to 60% because I really feel like they're leaning that way. 50, once Kevin said 50-50, they will or they won't. I'm like, no, that's not what I meant to say. So I'm going to go 60 on Hurt, <laughs> 30 on Donatel. I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to up mine to one-third, one-third between these two guys. I do think they, these are the front runners right here. Okay. All right. Now, Kevin, uh, do we need to talk about Fangio or is it like pie in the sky? That ain't happening. Fangio, yeah. uh, Dan Quinn, no. and Raheem Morris, and Gerard Mayo. We can just cross all those off. Yeah, I don't think there's any chance Vic Fangio wants to be a DC uh, in in Seattle, especially for a defensive coach. Yeah, exactly. He a def- uh, he would want so much control over the defense, which is fine. Maybe Pete would would give it to him. I mean, there is a there is, um, but I just think that he's 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 going to be like coached- Helen Moore's DC in Minnesota or something. Yeah, he's going to get a real. He's going to get paired up with a young coach. That's that is 100 percent what's going to happen, and he's basically perfect for that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of wild that he took so long to get a head coaching job. Like, and then he, they never gave him a quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and, it's, <laughs> it sucks that he got saddled with uh, John Elway who sucks at personnel. Yeah. It's like, uh, what did he have? He had a, uh, who's the quarterback the first season? Was it, was it Locke? No, Locke. It was Brandon Allen or something. Wasn't it? No. Uh, wasn't it Joe Flacco? Their first season, they had a they had some bad quarterback. Uh, no, it was Brandon Allen and Drew Locke, and then they and then they had Drew Locke again, and then this year, of course, they had Bridgewater Locke. Yeah, they they, they he got screwed. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, Fangio, I think yeah, I think you're right. I think that uh, people say Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn is getting a head coaching job. I don't think that that there's any doubt in my or mind. Or be a DC point. for an offensive coordinator uh, type I, head coach. Welcome to mm-hmm. welcome to to Jacksonville or Dan Quinn or something. Uh, uh, Gus Bradley's out there, Kevin. You think there's any chance of that one? Um, I could see. Okay, so the only way I see Gus coming back is if it's again kind of one of those uh, as a support and a veteran defensive play caller to support Clint Hurt. So I could see him coming back and rejoining the staff as a positions coach or an analyst or 
um, at best co-defensive coordinator with Clint Hurt. I don't see him being brought back just to be straight up DC. Unless so, unless Hurt leaves. And so, yeah. The, I, I'm... It's the same reason like Chris Richard, we burned that bridge. Because I think you'd be a great fit to come back. But it doesn't matter. Yeah, and I, I think like the Raiders, the Raiders, I don't know. that that If they bring back... Their defense Kat, was Bikass, bad. If he brings back Bacassia, then Bradley might just stay. I mean, it's probably pretty cool to live in Las Vegas. I'm not going to pretend like it's not. All right, Kevin, give me some give me some more uh, candidates. Let's hear him. Okay, another guy that I could see being paired up with Clint Hurt or just getting the job all on his own is uh, Terrell Austin, the um, senior defensive assistant and secondary coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was the Bengals defensive coordinator in 2018. He was the DC for Detroit 2014 through 2017. Um, he's really well regarded as a secondaries guy. And he's a guy who um, is widely thought about as someone who's going to get a shot at head coaching at some point, but he might need to go somewhere where he can be the DC in order to get that next leg up. And Ar- I wouldn't already been a person to do it. Already been a Seahawks <laughs> coach too. Yep. Uh, uh, Terrell Austin. Oh, three to 06. He was the the first time we went to the Super Bowl. He was the DB's coach. Yep. Um. So yeah, that, I would. Yes, I'm into it. I would. That'd be fine. Terrell Austin. That'd be a good. I think that'd be a good hire. Uh, for sure. Um, isn't he the guy? Isn't he the guy? Um, that. That like when they they asked him directly about like the Rooney Rule and he was like. Uh, I I don't disagree. He did not disagree with the statement that he only got the interviews to to fulfill the Rooney Rule. Basically, well, they I can't remember that if that was him or not, but if so, that's awesome. I, th- I think it was Terrell Austin. Yeah, he was just basically like, <laughs> yeah, they're only interviewing me to fulfill this requirement. It's BS. Like he didn't say that, but he. You but know, he's he, right, and it is BS. <laughs> he said it. Um, yeah, I'd be I'd be a great hire. I'd be into it. All right, who next? Give me give me the. Did you write it to any Terrell Austin notes, Eric? Yeah, I did. Um, okay. Oh, and wow. I, and, and, okay, I, and I had Dan Quinn and Gus Bradley, too. Uh, okay, give me, Austin, all, give me all of them, then. Terrell Austin, I like only because um, I, I think Mike Tomlin's a good coach. And working under Mike Tomlin, working with the Steelers, and he has a long track record. I don't see this guy being hired at all, but I, I wouldn't hate this hire. Uh, Dan Quinn, everything Kevin said, I agree with. I think that's very unlikely. Gus Bradley, I could see more but only kind of like a let's run it back situation. Um, Cause I, I don't think Gus Bradley's a head coach. Would you Troy, take it as a really bad sign if we had Bradley, like it's kind of like trickling to the past kind of thing. I don't think so. Only because we had success with him. And that was a time where I was like, yeah, this, this defense is awesome. And it was better under Dan Quinn, but let's face it. We, we used to say this is Pete's defense. It doesn't matter who the coordinator is. It's Pete's def- defense. But look over the last few years. <laughs> I I want someone. I want I want a coordinator in that role. And so Gus Bradley, especially if we could, um, you know, uh, reta- retain Hurt, I'd 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 be okay. I'd be more than okay with that. So those those are my three takes. All right. Uh, what, next next up, who we got? All right. So a couple other interesting names. Um. So Josh Boyer uh, is the Dolphins defensive coordinator, and he was the passing coordinator for 2019. And then uh, from 2009 to 2018, he was Bill Belichick's DB's coach. So he's a guy who's coached a really interesting um, defensive unit in Miami for a couple of years now. And he's a younger guy that I would be interested in. There's no direct tie there, but there wasn't for Waldron either. So this would be kind of a, the next two are kind of hires along those lines where they're guys who have interesting track records and some DC experience despite being young. 
And Josh Boyer has three Super Bowls. So yeah, I mean, the pay, he's been part of he's been a part of championship winning teams before for sure. And uh, I kind of uh, I, I'm looking along the lines of what Eric said, where a defensive backs guy, I don't know, kind of makes sense to me with what we need to build strength in. And I wonder if that's the kind of coach they'll be able to unlock Jamal Adams a little more. Uh, so the other guy I'm looking at is uh, James Batcher, who was the D.C. for Arizona from 2015 to 2017 and for the Giants for 2018 and 2019. He coached three top three DVOA defenses in Arizona and two bottom 10 defenses on the Giants. But he was also coaching for the Giants. So, like, I feel like that kind of explains itself. When you're you got a bunch of kids rolling out there, it's not your fault. Oh, I didn't actually have that name. So there you go. Oh, Um, did you have Josh Boyer? uh, Josh Boyer. The thing I like about Josh Boyer is, like you said, Kevin, he's young. He's he comes from a pedigree. But also there's a name that's being floated out, Gerald Alexander. And I feel like I like Gerald Alexander, but I don't know if I'd want to give him the the DC position. Uh, and I don't know if you're going to talk about Gerald Alexander. Sorry if I'm jumping on your toes. Uh, you are not Gerald Alexander. Um, I kind of bypassed Gerald Alexander because I landed on Boyer. And, and I like that because I feel like Gerald Alexander is someone I think I'd like in the organization. Josh Boyer would probably bring him thus I like Josh Boyer for those reasons. Yeah, totally. If Boyer brought Alexander to come over and take the defensive backs coaching job that he had in Miami, like that's the thing that I uh, like looking at the at Boyer, that's a staff that's dissolving. So it would make sense for him to move over just because he doesn't have a job right now. You know, uh, James Betcher is a defensive assistant for San Francisco. Um, this is a former DC who basically picked up a job while waiting for the next job. So that's why I think those two guys are on the market. Um, otherwise, they're interesting young defensive coordinators. Those are guys that maybe wouldn't always be available to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Eric, did you write anyone down that wasn't has been mentioned yet? Uh, no, I, I did. Okay, I did see one name that I was hoping we wouldn't talk about. But since you asked, people, people have put Lovey Smith in the mix. Oh, dude. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. No way. If I was going to go that direction, like the uh, like, let's dust off the corpse of someone to try to to try to get them Mm -hmm. in here. I mean, you have to pick Wade Phillips. That's like the that's like the corpse you dust off if you need a pass rush. Oh, man, that dude like rolls out of bed in the morning, puts on cowboy boots and makes a pass rush. Yeah, like you're like you like you like try to get Wade Phillips and say, hey, come be come be a grandpa on this coaching staff with me and let's <laughs> let's generate some pass rush. I figure like he'd just come in and be like, no, 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 move to the right a little bit. And then all of a sudden it, it ups their sacks. It's like, <laughs> I don't I don't know. He's a, he's he, I, he is like a savant, like the there's sack whisperer <laughs> players that the old man sack. Whisperer. I mean, there's like like five or six different guys that have won major defensive awards under under Wade Phillips, like Reggie White, Bryce Pop, Bruce Smith. J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, Sean Merriman, like all these guys have won. Um, yeah, yeah, Marcus Ware. Like, yeah, you can keep adding to the list. It's it's ridiculous. Um, it, but And those are all like very talented people. But you could tell he's really good at coaching up extremely talented people in order to be like their best versions of themselves, which is, I mean, that's an incredible skill. Way to go. One of the best defensive coaches in the NFL in the last 30 years. Yeah, so I, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. That's like, like I said, if you're gonna dust off like a grandpa coach and and um, do that, then yeah, 
if if we had if we had Wade Phillips and Pete Carroll on the same coaching staff, though, we would have to like start pulling out the grumpy old men memes. <laughs> That'd be the whole season. Yeah, that that would. Uh, you know what? If we're gonna have a losing season, might as well make it entertaining. So okay, we uh, we're gonna go now to to. Okay, where are we at? Okay, so we're going to go to free agency a little bit, right? There's no other coaching stuff we want to talk about or anything like that. Um, hey, you know what? Let's say free agency for next week. Let's do this. You got we're get that's that's a teaser right there. That's that's what they call a teaser. You guys got to wait till next week. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're hyping up next week's episode already. So this let's do this. We we watched some football this weekend, uh, and I'm just going to say this. I hated every NFC game. Oh my gosh. It's, it sucked. Yeah. Holy shit. It was like, man, I hate all of these teams. Well, the I just, Eagles like, were the only team that like had that the Eagles had the least punchable face in the entire NFC playoffs. I know, and the lost. Eagles were terrible. They had no They're business so being bad. there. Oh, so bad. Man, it was like, okay, they were the exhibit A for we should get rid of seven team playoff immediately. And Pittsburgh was oh, exhibit B. Exhibit B. It's like, wow, this is unnecessary. Oh, for two, gentlemen. Moving on. This, My we, friend who the, never talks about football texted me and he's like, wow. Pittsburgh's getting its ass beat. I was like, "Are you serious right now? Do you, <laughs> do you think it was like Bill Cower was back there? What do you? What do you come on?" Well, I mean, okay, Mike Tomlin is the goat. Like, I, I love. Mike I am. Tomlin. I'm just like so into Mike Tomlin lately because he's perpetually not brought up as like a like a best coach in the league, and he should be. Let's just start with this. He kept Antonio Brown into wraps for like ten years. <laughs> like already hall of fame coach just for that he didn't we don't need to, to do to say one other word but then you realize he had Le'Veon bell on the same team yeah and it's just like that's, that's the best out there <laughs> yeah guy was a great guy's guy is, is goaded had to deal uh, with a guy who sexually assaults people on a regular basis for you know 10 seven, years 17 18 years. years yeah okay so we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about the teams that are left, and we're gonna do a Seahawks nest rooting interest. We're gonna. You're gonna. You're gonna give me a scale of one to ten. How excited you are about this team? How much do you want them to uh, advance in the playoffs and do well? All right, you guys ready? Yep. So so Bengals. This is our Seahawks nest rooting interest. Bengals versus Titans. All right, and I'll start this one off. I'm all in on the Bengals. They're my number one team now. Go Bengals. I'm a Bengals fan. God, it's gonna be depressing because Zach Taylor sucks. Uh, ten out of ten on Bengals in this one. I don't mind the Titans, actually. I think their coach is pretty cool. I like their team. If they win, if the Titans win, I'll, they'll probably be my new team. <laughs> but for now, Bengals, baby. Let's go. Uh, ride or die with the Cincinnati Chili. Uh, Kevin, what, what about you in this game? You know, I'm skyline high on this one. Uh, yeah, baby. The thing is that I feel like you kind of stole my thunder because I was going to say this is basically the battle to see who I want to win the Super Bowl because <laughs> it's either going to be a Super Bowl of Skyline Chili or it's going to be a, a, a what, a home Super Bowl, isn't it, for Tennessee? Ooh. I'm trying is to remember. This? Is it in Nashville? Or is it in Vegas? I don't even um, know. I thought it was Vegas this year, but... Oh, okay, I don't know. I'm, I'm bad at this. Um, But regardless, uh, if Derrick Henry's back, I think that Tennessee actually has a really good chance at winning. Oh, it's in, back, it's in SoFi. It's in the California Stadium. Then oh, they, whatever they, then. But but their backup... It might be in Dallas because their backup plan is to put it in Dallas if, co- if Cal, you know, LA does too many COVID restrictions. Oh, yeah, because... Oh, that's Texas right. They're thinking about... They're <laughs> like, hey, we're going ahead with this location unless... 
Dallas is like, there's a zombie apocalypse. We better all pile into the stadium. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I think if I had to put it Cincinnati, I'm 10 out of 10 and Tennessee, I'm nine out of 10. Yeah. Tennessee's like an eight for me, but I, I do find them quite enjoyable. I think that they're, they're kind of stupid. Like they, they, like sometimes they just do things that are really dumb, they but, I, but I like them. I love yeah. when Vrabel talks big about stuff. It's just, it's Vrabel, very funny. Vrabel, Vrabel said he, Vrabel said he cut his nuts off to, to go to the Super Bowl. Yep. I mean, that, he's a foot, he is a football guy. It doesn't get much bigger than that. He's got some young Pete energy and I, and I'm, I'm all here for it. Okay. Uh, Eric, how about you, Bengals, Titans? Who you got? Uh, I'll give you 160 reasons why I like the Bengals. Because that's, you know, how many Skyline Chile locations there are. I just Google that. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm glad that we're three for three on this because Bengals, number one rooting interest. Close number two, Tennessee Titans. So we are a united podcast. It'll be great for at least one more week. Yeah, this is uh this is <laughs> Bengals. I just li- I like like all of their players. It's it's weird. Like I just love like Jesse Bates and uh and uh Sam Hubbard and then they got Burrow, Mixon, Chase. Uh, and they got this Boyd, cool Higgins. young wide receiver core, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's just like a fun cool team. The Titans they got Derrick Henry running people over. They're cool too, right? Like it's 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 a it's a exciting it's like And they've a good got game. one total knee at wide receiver. Oh boy! Come on, that actually needs to seconds. get healthy. Okay, uh, thirteen degrees, the frozen tundra, oh, the forty, the forty niners head into place, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, okay, I uh, do not care about this game. I'm gonna say I want the Packers to win, and I'm at like, a th- I don't want the Packers to win. I don't want the forty. <laughs> uh, oof. Uh, okay, if Trey Lance starts, I'm okay. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of um, rumors swirling around, right? About uh, yeah, the Jimmy, G- Jimmy Gold Jacket's arm fell off. Yeah, yeah, he's not doing so good. So if Trey Lance starts, I'm gonna root for the 49ers because In it would 2022, be funny. 2022, you can't say that somebody's health isn't doing so good like that. Because <laughs> because it it would be funny to me if Rogers lost at home. To, <laughs> to a rookie quarter. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> so I'm gonna say if Trey Lance starts, San Francisco four out of ten, five out of ten. Like I'm I'm Can't actually kind of hyped for that. Genius of Kyle Shanahan. Um if if Trey Lance doesn't play, I just I, I guess I'll go Packers to two out of ten. Like it it's bad. Okay. What do you guys think? Uh, Kevin, what do you think? 49ers, 49ers negative ten out of ten. Green Bay zero out of ten. So I guess you're a Packers fan in this one. Are you even gonna watch the game? Like uh, if we, I'm not I, doing le- other things, legitimately, I love NFL football, but this is this is one that's going to be like I'm rooting I'm for a sit- meteor in this game. <laughs> gonna I'm gonna begrudgingly sit down on the couch unless Trey Lance plays. Then I I will watch until the four, the 49ers are down twenty, and then I'll turn it off. <laughs> Eric, what do you think? There was a video I saw on one of those uh, you know people talking about video shows where a guy <laughs> show how tough he was the hard-hitting he, analysis from he, eric he pull oh, you'll love it he put his uh he put his uh testicles on the on a desk and then he shot them with a with a gun to show how tough he was and that is my view of this game that's it that's my analysis i hate this it is a negative 10 i hate every team in the nfc i hate them all i can't believe that the eagles are in the playoffs and they basically just farted their way out and now we're left with four terrible teams uh i guess i'm kind of rooting for the packers but this is a nightmare i mean dallas was the only Uh, team and i hate dallas 
Dallas was, was like Azur- my team, and I forgot my Azur- McCarthy B- was a coach. Azur B B uh, was was the uh, we said it, uh, the gentleman the 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 galaxy brain people in this one root for the giant meteor, but like seriously, I can't root. I can't root for that. I have to like actually be serious. You know, there's not a giant meteor isn't going to hit the stadium, unfortunately. Well, there's all there were <laughs> like the, the double people. jinx there. I appreciate it. Hey, Mike McCarthy, by the way, can I just talk about him for 30 seconds? Of course. That <laughs> sequence with where they brought the punt team out and then they ran the punt team off the field and took and took a took a, a delay of game penalty. He I think that was out. classic. I think that was, that was so Mike McCarthy. And <laughs> Do then, you think Mike and McCarthy then, read the rollover salary cap rule and thought that worked for timeouts too? <laughs> and then does he does he not know if you substitute your players that they get to substitute their players too? No, like, I don't think he, he does. Just, is he just like the stupidest person on earth? And so then he does that. And that's bad. And I'm like, there's no way he can do something worse than this. And then he runs a quarterback draw in the middle of the field with 14 seconds left. And it's like, oh, actually, you know what? He can one up himself. He 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 has another level. He's like, you thought that was dumb. Well, check this shit out. <laughs> Didn't he ran a quarterback draw. And I don't understand, too, like that referee. I've never seen a referee run harder in my life. Anyone who says that referee was not trying to uh, <laughs> to. I've never seen a referee run harder in my life. He runs up. He's trying to move the ball back because the stupid cowboys gave themselves like four extra yards and then and then he and then he finally gives up and just gives him the ball and it's too late it's just it was ridiculous okay uh yeah sunday we go to sunday the am game rams versus buccaneers tom the, if you wanted me to if you wanted to figure out a way for to get me to root for tom brady well this was it i do not i do not want to see the rams win any more football games Man, it was t- it's tough to watch last week the way the Rams just rolled up on the Cardinals and not just that, but like they Cam Akers looks like he has juice still and I thought like okay, Achilles injury, maybe this guy will be sapped, right? Maybe he won't be the same. Nope, he's uh that 40-yard catch, he definitely has has the juice still and he's he didn't even miss a full season from an Achilles. That's insanity. Uh yeah, the Rams real good. They've assembled a great amount of talent and I would love to see that their fans suffer in this game in addition to the fact that at this point like I'm immune to Tom Brady doing good right it just doesn't bother me anymore because what what's 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 gonna happen like he's already got like a million rings and is the best football player ever who cares what is gonna be the more the best football player ever who gives yeah but King hat also gets another one he who gives a crap at this point yeah I hate Bruce Arians I'm gonna go uh Buccaneers I like them slightly better than the Green Bay Packers so I guess I gotta give it like a four out of ten for me uh what do you think eric uh this is also a terrible game i don't want (laughs) i don't want to i'll 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 lay out the hard-hitting analysis for kevin uh tom brady i don't care if he wins whatever it doesn't matter i don't want our our expansion brothers tampa bay to have yet another super bowl above us i'm petty like that it bothers me that they have two they're two for two in super bowls and we are one for three makes me very upset so uh, I don't want them to win, but then it's like the Rams. I, I hate the Rams. They're they're my division. I'm not those people that are like, I'm just rooting for my division. No, get out. Although I do like Matt Stafford. So it's a, it's like a two and a half Stafford, versus a two. Stafford got a playoff win. I don't. I have no emotion for him anymore. Like he, he did it, but oh, he won the Super Bowl. No, okay. That that I mean, it was his first playoff win. That that's it. He, that's all I needed that's from so, him. That is so bizarre. How how sad. But yeah, I have uh, a, so two and a half for Tom Brady team and uh, two for okay. the Rams. I wasn't sure who had the two and a half and who had the two. Okay, <laughs> Kevin, what do you think? All right, 
So big brain time. Tampa Bay, I'm giving the same zero as Green Bay because I equally don't like either team. The Rams are my rooting interest in the Mm. NFC because I can't wait for them to have gotten rid of Goff in order to go back to the Super Bowl and lose the exact same way with Stafford. You want to see them lose the Super Bowl the in their home best, stadium, The you? best thing I can hope for is the Rams making the Super Bowl and losing the exact same way they did with Jared Goff. It would be very pleasing to, for the Rams I to feel lose like the Super Bowl in their home stadium. I feel like that is the best outcome I could come up with for the NFC. Hmm... That yeah, is, I'm not uh, gonna. I'm not gonna root for the Rams. It because... is the it is the pettiest way of handling this, which is probably why I'm the one who did it. Yeah, I can't do it because <laughs> I just if the, if the Rams get to the Super Bowl and then they win, I, I that's extra. I'm extra sad about that, so I can't. I can't do that. Uh, all right, the uh, last game, Bills versus Chiefs. Uh, for me, uh, the, Bill, the Bills fans showed everything that I I thought about them. When up 30 points, they threw a dildo at a player who just scored a touchdown. I think that like (laughs) for me, that basically summed up why I don't like Buffalo fans so much. It's like you're already winning by a million points. Why would you do this? You guys are huge a-holes. And uh, that's that's kind of how I feel about the Bills. Uh, So I'm going to root for the Chiefs. And I actually don't mind the Chiefs, even though I know that like people are probably sick of seeing Patrick Mahomes and commercials and stuff. I love Andy Reid. I find him very endearing. Did you see Andy Uh, Reid's chocolate cake thing? No, what did you do? What what? Dude, so uh, Andy Reid had uh, this thing in an interview where they were talking about, um, you know, wanting another Super Bowl. And he's like, you know, it's Super Bowl is like chocolate cake. You're eating a piece of chocolate cake. And yeah, it's really good. But if somebody puts another piece of chocolate cake out there in front of you, you want that piece of chocolate cake, too. And that's why Andy Reid is the best human. And I love and, him with all my heart. And, and Kevin, you know better than anyone else. That there's no one on earth who's more excited about a Jarek McKinnon playoff resurgence. <laughs> uh, this is like basically my dream. As a guy who in an auction draft took Jarek McKinnon like seven years in a row and then just had to cut him after two weeks because he kept getting hurt. And he looks uh, like their best running back. Oh, he's he, j- dude, Jarek. <laughs> Jarek McKinnon, I, I've for so long thought this guy has so much talent. He's so good. He's got juice. And eventually I just gave up, you know, I was just like, all right, well, I guess it's just never going to happen for him. That sucks. I mean, at least he stuck around the NFL for like nine years and he's going to get a pension and make a ton of money, but nope. The Jarek McKinnon playoff resurgence is here. Uh, he's, he just crushed it in the first game, six catches, 81 yards, 12 rushes, 61 yards. Just got, like this guy. I'm like, yeah, baby, let's go. So yeah, I'm that. That's why I'm in on the Chiefs, and the Chiefs for me is like a six. Like six, I'm fine with them. Like they're not my favorite. They're not. They're not the Titans or the the Bengals, but they're they're all right. They're all right. So yeah, in on the Chiefs. All right, Eric, what do you think? Chiefs Bills. I'm just really sick of the Chiefs. I have no reason to be sick of them, except oh, I just you got to see Ketchup Kermit in those commercials. I completely understand. Yeah, I don't know. It's I feel like Ketchup Kermit. I love that nickname. That he's. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to call him Patrick Mahomes anymore. Ketchup Kermit, I feel like he's just so, it sounds terrible, like his football, his NFL career has been very privileged. Like, I think anyone would love to be a rookie under Andy Reid, uh, which he is talented, but with the, the weapons he has, it's like, oh my gosh, no wonder he's winning. Like, I'd, I'd, like, I'd like him a lot more if he faced some adversity. And what better way to face adversity than to lose this Sunday to the Bills? So I have the Bills probably at like um, 
you know, third in the AFC, obviously they're, they're pretty hefty <laughs> interest over the form. Chiefs. So, so what are they like a seven then for you? Like a, yeah, yeah. I'd, uh, I'd, I'd put them sure. seven and the Chiefs at four. Okay. And uh, Kevin, what are you, where are you at in Chiefs bills? Uh, so the bills, I like McDermott as a coach. I actually like oh, their yeah. coaching staff quite a bit. Uh, table two. Um, I have a question for you about that, Kevin. Hmm. So going from <laughs> going from Bengals Raiders, which is basically like the coaching equivalent of checkers <laughs> to to Bills Patriots, which was like the coaching equivalent of like Grandmaster Chess. It's, it's like it was like it was, go. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, man, this is a these are these guys actually know what they're doing. So, yeah, that's I mean, the, the Bills just got out in front in that game and then it makes it hard for the Patriots because they can't throw. Yeah, their so. offense just isn't built to and and Buffalo, as we have stated all season, um, however much they're up by, they're still running up the score. Um, they're, they're still throwing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like they were up like three touchdowns and they're just like, you know, what we could do we could huck it deep. And then they did. <laughs> and it worked. Um, so for that reason, for all the on field reasons. Um, I like Buffalo as a team. I think they're very fun. I would put them at probably a six, like just slightly above average um, on my uh, on my rankings, like because a bang average team would be a five. So if a bang average team wins, then I'm doing that like, hey, I'm rooting for a good game thing. If Buffalo was in against probably half the teams in the NFL, I'd be like, you know what? I'd like to see the Bills get one. Be nice to see them get a title. This group of players is fun to root for. So, so do we all agree that basically, no matter what, we're rooting for the AFC team in this hundred percent? Absolutely, because Kansas City's a seven, and like, it's it's really six points of Andy Reid because Andy Reid's just the goat. Yeah, it's it's so he's the best. Yeah, I think like the AFC, I, I like all the teams. I find them all quite enjoyable in the rooting NFC. For I Andy Reid is like uh, is like chocolate cake. I'm rooting for him, and then I see he has another game coming, <laughs> and I just want to root for that game too. Buffalo, buff, <laughs> Buffalo. Uh, like I want to make it clear, I like the players on the field other than Cole Beasley, but the, but the, but the the <laughs> yes. it's it's more like the the fans. I just want them to suffer because I think it's funny. <laughs> very, very, very cold, very cold blooded. But like, they, if they're gonna keep like throwing piss balloons at at little kids in Patriots jerseys and and uh, like throwing dildos on players when they're out three touchdowns, like I'm gonna continue to think they're they're jagoffs. Like I'm not, you're not gonna change my opinion on that. No matter so, how many Andy Dalton charities you donate to, no yeah, matter how can, many tables they break in the parking lot while, which is a cool thing to do. Going on, they really need to. Yeah, exactly. Though, go watch the game. What are you doing? You, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. Okay. So that's that. Let's get to the uh, money zone. There are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so, head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. And for as little as dollar twenty fourth, you can be like new Patreon, Santiago. Join us in the Discord. Come hang out. Uh, and then, yeah, be like all these people that have been donating uh, for a while. Oh, man, I clicked the wrong button. So uh, that's RIP. It'll take it. an hour because of the way that navigation on that site nope. works. Nope. Here we go. We got Andy, Brett, do it all for the Tucci. Phloctomus, Greta, James, Carrie, Lucas, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Emmanuel, Astro, Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Foles, Jay, Leon, Michael, Michelle, Mike and Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, Nick, everyone else on the Patreon. Thank you guys for supporting. And of course, our first and future forever sponsor, Blake Nelson, Washington Fish Quest. Check it out on YouTube. Okay. 
man, he's got he got his really he's really getting his money's worth out of that because I'm men- I'm mentioning it until someone else gives me money to advertise something I like as much as Washington Fish Quest, which so far you know Manscape not cutting it. Uh, you know all the, I get all these advertising offers all the time. And it's like nah, nah. You got you got to be cooler than Washington Fish Quest. So that's like a really high bar. I'm holding <laughs> I'm holding holding potential advertisers accountable for uh <laughs> for themselves. Although I will say. Pay me to make fun of someone. I want that. That's what I want. Talk talk trash, you know. Talk trash to Astro through through the Patreon uh, tier. Okay. Anyway, the uh, I don't know why I picked Astro. Probably because he's going to beat us all in his playoff contest that he made. <laughs> um, hey, I held on to third place. Moved up another oh, still- point. I have two points of separation you- now. Ooh, Kevin. Ooh, nice job. <laughs> nice. Kevin's, Kevin's. I told you. I just told you you had to finish the job. I didn't say that you weren't going to do it. I just said, you but, gotta but when I was like 12 points out and I was like, I'm going to finish on the podium. That was that I turned you into a believer. That's how that works. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, okay. You know, who I'm going to do a my believer. Tony Jaw in uh, Ong Bak. All right, here we go. So we're going to, we're going <laughs> to, today we're doing Ong Bak, the Thai warrior 2003 movie. Uh, I think this thing I like most about this movie is the tagline. You guys ready? Hmm. Do you know the tagline? Yes. No so computer good. graphics, no stunt doubles no wires and i think it's like a perfect description of what this movie is it was kind of um in the early in the early 2000s uh movies went through a phase where there was a lot of stunt doubles wires computer graphics they were enhancing our fight scenes we're using a lot of uh, computer wizardry and i think this was in response to the matrix right matrix comes out does a lot of computer wizardry and people are like i want to do that i want to make an action movie like that and ong bak was like nah dog we're going back throwback we're bringing it back. So, and uh, this movie is great. So plot wise, let's just start off with that. So this movie is about a, uh, a it's, young man. It's about making the thinnest plot you possibly can to have Tony Jaa do <laughs> awesome stuff. That's what he that lives is. in. He lives in rural Thailand. Uh, there's an ancient Buddha statue called Ong Bak. Uh, the villa- thieves come, they decapitate the statue and take the head elsewhere. And so Ting, played by Tony Jaa, he's very good at Muay Thai. And he's going to go to to Bangkok to get the head of Ong Bak back. And uh, he only has one lead, this like drug dealer named Don. And that's it. That's that's the plot of the movie. <laughs> and this thin, movie thin plot. Get out. Of wasn't here. one of the guys in the village was like is like somebody's loser kid or like his loser cousin or something like that. And that was the person he was like his contact in the city. He so he goes there and he meets up with his cousin whose name's Humlai. Yeah, and he's and he's he's dyed his hair blonde. He calls himself George now. Uh, he's he's basically gone like uh he's he doesn't live in the village Full anymore. He's out. cool now. He's cool now. Yeah, and they're like basically like street bike hustlers, and they're like conning people. And so Humlai, uh, he goes, he steals all of Ting's money. He takes it to like an underground fight tournament, and of course uh, Ting being such a badass uh he he tries to get his money back but he gets he get he's stupid let's <laughs> just start with that he's, he's stupid he's so he a walks total, he's a rube he walks right through the middle of the fight ring while, while they're fighting to get to his brother or his cousin and then he gets roped into fighting and he first he knocks out the the current champion in like one one kick it's just it's was cool. that now see i've it's been so long since i've seen this and i remember a lot of it is that the one two three kid the person he knocks out. Yeah. The the white guy with the Kenny G hair. Is that who it is? 
Oh no! So so he no, starts off. Later. He, oh, damn, he starts sorry. off. He fight. Yeah, he fights one guy, and then he gets, and then he he uh, fights another guy um, who has who is like uh, I would say trying to do like a Bruce Lee kind of Tekken impression. Yep. Oh and then yeah, yeah, yeah. He knocks that guy out too, and then he he yeah, the, this big guy comes in. Yeah, your uh, your stereotypical was, like that was a uh, Long. European uh, and, uh, biker guy. And and what does he do? He just comes in the middle of the ring and he just yells. Fuck Muay Thai <laughs> as loud as he can, <laughs> and it's like, and it, and then they, and then he fights Tony Jaw, and he's like way bigger than this guy, but Tony Jaw's got his cool like, so he's like, this is basically like stylized Muay Thai, so it's all elbows and knees, and like he's doing uh, doing cool moves, like double elbows and stuff. This fight scene really rules. Uh, they're fighting all, they fight, end up fighting all through the the kind of great um, use of environment, like a very like Jackie Chan kind of throwback ish. Um, excellent use of the terrain. Yeah. Really cool fight scene. And then they, uh, then there's like a long, uh, this, uh, this is what I'm going to pump to you, Kevin. There's a long, uh, a chase, chase scene. scene. Yeah. yeah. Tuck, 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 tuck chase scene with like lots of cool portions. Yeah. So, uh, the chasing goes, uh, first of all, the chasing uh, involves tuck tucks, which are the, um, those little taxis that people uh, run or uh, some of them now are like basically meter made mobiles. Um, and I it's no idea through, that's what they were called. Uh, yep. It's through a uh, street market and um, there's just a lot of cool scenes because it's a bunch of dudes with uh, machetes and uh, like <clears throat> clubs and uh, there it's basically he's uh, he's being Ting is being chased by a mob of people uh Hanlei and uh is it his wife or girlfriend or his partner um oh she kind of gets wrapped up in this too and so let's talk about let's talk about Mwilek okay um that's his friend that's no that's their friends Hanlei and and her are friends yeah and I'm just gonna say the worst part of this movie is I I don't know this is I know this is people are not gonna like this it's this woman's voice the way she talks is like so it, it is so high pitched. It's very like, screechy on purpose. Like she's supposed to be that she's way, do, but she's doing a, she's doing a thing and I do not like it. Yes. I do not want, I want her to, to stop doing it. And yeah, it's very, very, very annoying. She's definitely like the worst part of the movie for me by a country mile. But basically Homelay and her are the comedy relief, Benny Hill element of the chase. Well, Ting is having this other Jackie Chan police story chase scene, and these two chase scenes are happening simultaneously, which is kind of cool because uh, you'll have like there's a part where Humlight ends up on stilts. Uh, that's very weird. Um, there's uh, like parts where he's like trying to hide or um, other stuff like that. Whereas like Ting is just basically doing parkour and then kicking people in the face. And it's great when he does parkour and it's great when he kicks people in the face. And a um, lot of, a lot of kneeing people in the face. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay. There's a really, there's a really cool part of this chase scene with like, uh, like, is it, is, is it a sheet of glass or a mirror? I can't, it's a sheet of, it's a sheet of it's glass. A sheet of right? glass. Right. It's the, it's the whole like movers are moving glass across the space. Right. And he like he like flips between two pieces of glass and it's a really thin flip. And since, you know, there's no wires and no stuntmen in this movie, like it's basically yeah, well, doesn't it's, he it's run over doesn't he run over people's like he runs over the crowd and there's no wires, but he's like 
he's like running on top of people and it looks super fake, but you know, it's not. Well, what about when he, what about when he, what about when he jumps through the, the barbed, the barbed wire? wire. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. I forgot about that. Or what about when he runs on all those guys' shoulders? Yeah. That's uh, yeah, the shoulders. Um, that's what I was talking about. Or when he, uh, like when he runs up the car and then, I uh, yeah, there's just, there's a bunch of really like cool, visually interesting scenes like that. Um, there's some nice Jackie Chan comedy relief there too, where the guy who splits his pants trying to, um, basically copy what, you know, the, the every Ting jump does. he was trying to do, everything Ting did, he was trying to do. And he, he stops once he, he rips his pants. It's, it was and a nice little tension breaker. There's the, uh, there's the henchman who's also clearly incompetent, who ends up squared off against Hamlet. And they have like the battle of the two guys who suck at doing this. And so like, mm-hmm. that's like another little like cheeky side plot. And I like that it doesn't spend so much time on Hamlet where it stops being funny. Um, because it knows that what's going on with Ting is what everyone actually wants to see. So it's just this nice little way of breaking up and giving a reason for uh, Ting's chasing to transition to a new visually interesting area and set up a new set of challenges. So, yeah. And then I think I like about um, there. So like George, the character, George, George has like an arc in this movie, like throughout the movie, he's like putting down Ting and he's like, you know, kind of make fun of him because Ting is a rube. We we said it before. He's a yokel, and he and he kind of is not really supporting him, or he steals it. And then there's a point where Steven steals his money and stuff. But then, so we we head to the Thai Burmese border, and they they kidnap him, right? They kidnap Moilek, the the woman, and they ask Ting he needs to fight the the bodyguard. And this bodyguard just like does adrenaline shots and then fights. Uh, like he's a yep. psychopath. It's so weird. Bas- uh, basically, he's a um, uh, Bane. He's hitting the juice, man. But mm-hmm. they, but they're in the in the. I read up on this. They're supposed to be adrenaline shots. Okay, so then he fights, and then Ting throws the match, and uh, who and then uh, you know George throws in the towel, and after the fight, the 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 crime boss he he doesn't. He said he would re- if if you know if Ting throws the fight, makes it look good, he'll release the woman and return the head. But instead, he decides he's going to kill him. So of course, you know Ting and George they they start murdering. There's some murdering happening. Right. A lot, lot of murdering. And then uh Very and then serious the, stuff. Ting gets shot by the by the crime boss. And this is the the George Redemption arc, dude. He goes to smash the the head with a sledgehammer, and uh George jumps on top of the of Ongbok. You know, he's in his heart he knew he needs to he needs to protect Ongbok or whatever. And so he just get he's getting hit by a sledgehammer or whatever. And then uh and, then and there's again there's like it. a physical comedy element to this, but it also makes sense for the character's arc. And then, uh, yeah, and then, then a giant Buddha head f- falls and crushes that guy, the bad guy, which is <laughs> oh, sweet. Yeah, and the, that's the other part is the the final the climactic fight scene takes place on the scaffolding around this big Buddha statue, and again, mm-hmm. really cool use of terrain, really interesting fight scene because of it. Like the lighting is cool. There, there was a lot of really, um, really careful work done on the staging and choreography that make the fight scenes really cool. Because if you pull out the fight scenes or just make them average, this is a below average movie. The fight the, scenes uh, make it an above average movie. Yeah, when, when he when he when he uh, his legs are on fire and he double knees that guy in the yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty sweet. Uh, so anyway, yep. Whom uh, I also dies in this thing, and then he uh, he tells. He, but when his dying breath, he says, make sure, make sure my gets to graduate from college. So, <laughs> so then, uh, yeah, Ong Bak, ta- they take Ong Bak back to, uh, Bong Pradu. They, uh, they bury his acid, they bury George's ashes in the village. And then, uh, 
than the girls out there in in the in the in the sticks with 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 our boy Ting, and that's kind of the end of the movie. Um, so okay, uh, Eric, yes. coming to you since I've like not talked to you enough during this. What it's is fun. your favorite? What is your favorite stunt in the in the movie Angbach? Uh, it's either the one he's. I mean, as cool as the barbed wire scene was when he's running on people and that oh, and that chasing only because I take them at their word, no special effects, and it looks like so fake. That, that's got to be so difficult. So what I did like, was I like uh, here's the thing I haven't you got to wonder how many takes. Well, I got to see like where's this thing streaming because I haven't I haven't watched this thing in like ten years, and so I remember I rewound that so much because I was like, okay, how did he do it? And if you look, he lifts his knees up and keeps his legs straight at other times, and it kind of gives us illusion. But, I mean, he had to be moving super fast. He probably doesn't weigh a lot. You know, it's not like me running on people's shoulders. So um, that's probably my favorite scene. It's, like, not action-packed, but it was, like, the... Of it, all the it, woe it, scenes, that was the woe scene for me. And it's very cl- it's very clever, too, because a lot of... We we at this point where you in the in the scene, you know, you're probably expecting him to take down all the thugs, you know, to fight him. Yeah, because yeah, he's, like, he's cornered. And it says, and instead he just runs over all of them by jumping onto their shoulders. It's so cool. And you, yeah, like you said, they probably did a million takes. I would have liked probably... to have seen the, you know, the Jackie Chan outtakes for this movie. Mm-hmm. I love that when you see that in the end credits. Oh, it's so it's, that's like, I, I stay for the whole thing. It's so satisfying. So it was like a mini documentary at the end of the movie that I could also <laughs> enjoy. What about when the, when the tuck tuck does the barrel roll off the, dude, that the was river. really cool. Yeah, and apparently that I mean that's a, that's just a straight up stunt, no stunt doubles. That's pretty crazy to me. Um, so anyway, Ken, what's your favorite stunt in this movie? Uh, I don't know, man. It's really hard to separate it because I think what I'm gonna say is, as much as the fight scenes were really cool, it was every parkour element because mm-hmm. that was something that was not getting done in movies at the time, and it was pretty unique to this movie, especially without wires. And every single one of them just lands like super well for me. So, so let's go with the barbed wire jump. Or what about when he's in the scaffolding doing all the flips? Oh, dude, yeah, like it's so cool. It's so cool. And he lands on his back and then kips up, and it's like that's super sweet. And it's all dusty uh, and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's like th- this movie feels like it, it came out of like the same era as Hard Boiled, but like that era of like '90s actioners. But it's from 2003. It's like a. It was like a, a weird a moment in time. Yeah. Uh, as and, a massive compliment, if you told me you and Ping um, did the action choreography, I'd be like, Oh yeah, it makes sense. The thing for me is that this movie is basically like a demo reel for like why you should hire Tony Jaw to be in your movie. Like the, <laughs> it's a the, Tony Jaw tech demo. <laughs> Cause I mean like it really is. They like built the entire movie around like, Hey, we know this guy. He's got great acrobatic and Muay Thai skills. He can kind of act like Tony Jaw is not a bad actor. I think he's like, he's like very, average you know but he can be in that he can carry this kind of movie right these kind of actioners and uh yeah this this movie he just does a he does a really good job and yeah i think like it's really over choreographed and it's like really like the editing where they replay stuff is really cheesy (laughs) but yeah it is but it's also cool to watch (laughs) but yeah it's it's just it's a really good super sweet movie it's a street showcase for tony jaw do you do you guys i'll start with you eric did you do you like this better or, or worse than the protector oh better so so the protector was like tony jaw's follow-up and it's more of a actual yeah movie. it's like a film film right yeah well yeah, I, I, what let's i would not go call that. A film film let's not go that compared far. to compared to <laughs> ong bak 
Ong Bak's like a yes. It's not. It doesn't feel like a student film. It's it's a it's it's a by the numbers actioner, but it is more of a, like a real movie. Um, where there's I, where there both movies have um a collection of scenes that you just want to watch. I find Ong Bak more enjoyable, and that's what I really want to like this weekend. I'm going to try and watch Ong Bak. So Ong Bak is the you, one Kevin. that has the fight scene in the hotel, right? No, that's the protector. No, that's the protector. The protector. Yeah, that's the, what I meant. like the the protector is like that scene. Dude, is the fight so scene great. in the hotel and the protector is like an all time fight it's scene. A, yes, it's a one. It's a one take too. Yes, that's a Kevin. That's I think thing it's is, an all time movie scene. Yeah, the the protector. So here's the thing: the protector has the best set piece of of the, of either movie. That that one take in the hotel is probably uh, my second favorite long take but i don't care about uh, that movie from an until it gets to that point but, but like, i haven't I, seen the protector in a long time it's hard for me to say for sure because i saw on a lot more recently but i would say the protector is a better movie yeah i uh i think i like on better but the protector's sweet and i think everyone should watch both and then come tell us in the discord which one they like better that's your your homework assignment this week all right any final thoughts about this movie before we head out of here try and watch it it's so much fun all right. Uh, did you figure out what streaming service is on, Eric? No, it's not streaming. Which uh, is it very upsetting. Is streaming. It is on. You have to pay money though, Kevin. Uh, no, it is on Canopy, which you just need a library card for. It Ooh. is on Hoopla, which you just need a library card for, and what? it is on Tubi. You made. You made. Okay, you if made, it's on. You Tubi, made Hoopla. You made Hoopla up. That yeah. can't be real. Uh, we can't stream because no one has a library card. Um, Bro, I have watch. No. I watch so many Monkey <laughs> hey. King movies. You have no idea how many streaming services I have. I will say this: if you, have, if you library, <laughs> the library gets call it back, before the everyone call else. Back, the callback. Um, so the uh, if you if you want a library card though, just go to the way. All you need to do is put an address. You don't even actually have to live there in, anymore. Like I just I wanted to have a King County library card, even though I live in Tacoma, and I was like, I'll just put my parents' address in. They're not gonna ever like look into this. So, and Seattle so. Public will give you a library card if you live anywhere in King County. Um, and I kind of want to say the New York Public Library gives you a library card if you have if you are a United States citizen. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty easy to get a library card, is what I'm saying. They're they're not they're not checking in. They want you to to use their services. So, yep, that's it for Kevin for Eric. We will uh, see you at the library. Go Hawks. 